0: Hello everyone and welcome to Minute 74 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob and joining me once again on this lovely Thursday is Austin Pryor of
1: Malkovich Minute, Malkovich Minute or Minute Minute or Malkovich Malkovich or Malkovich, Malkovich Minute Minute. As long as you get a Malkovich and a minute in there, you'll be you'll be doing fine. Yeah, but it in there twice, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, minute seventy-four begins with Dell continuing his prediction, and ends with Neil changing the subject. So yesterday we had a very great bonding episode with Neil and Dell sitting in the motel room, uh, drinking little bottles of booze that Dell apparently brought with him and eating bags of Doritos or chips or things like that. Dell ended yesterday's minute by starting to say, you know, when I'm dead and buried, and he continues today, all I'm going to have around here to prove that I was here was some shower curtain rings that didn't fall down. The the response is great legacy, huh? Mm-hmm. At the very least, at the absolute minimum, you've got a woman you love to grow old with right so first of all i i like the way that that this little conversation they they're starting to like ponder life and you can also feel that they're both a little tipsy so yeah. they've they've uh, reached the point where you know they 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 have less inhibitions and the two of them are bonding together so they're they're talking about these these different things so it it's a very deep moment in a very Light atmosphere, mm. so and and it really works from from my perspective at least, you know. And and what's funny is, you know, Neil is the one who says, at the very least, at the absolute minimum, you've got a woman you love to grow old with, right? So we we mentioned earlier in the week about the fact that in the original script and in the shooting script, I mean, when they shot it, Neil was in this rift with with Susan. So you know, for him to make a statement like that seems yeah. very out of place. Knowing that having that information, not having that information and seeing, you know, or believing that this is a caring, loving relationship between the two of them helps make it it seem
1: as if, you know, it works. Yeah, but I could imagine it would be quite, I could imagine it would be quite touching even if it was, if they were, if they were having this difficulty and he's, you know, getting drunk and, and, um, you know, a bit waxing philosophical about life and everything. And he's just like, he just knows in his heart of heart that once he gets home, he's going to make it right and that he loves her and everything. So I could kind of see that it could be read even if they are having these difficulties in the, on the alternate version right. of quite a sweet moment that he's like, he's still going, you know, to the wives, you know? Right. That's true.
0: All right. And Please. you can see little by little that, that Dell feels a little bit hurt by these statements because, you know, yeah. again, we know the, you know, where Marie is. Neil doesn't. But, you know, every single thing that, that Neil says, he's not saying it obviously to be mean. Yeah. You know, he, he thinks that he's talking with someone who is going through something similar as he is. So by yeah. saying you love her, don't you? And Dell's response is love is not a big enough word. He goes. Yeah. It's not a big enough word for how I feel about my wife. And then the, you know, which again has a completely different meaning if you know what's going on here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So which, yeah, and John once again, is a just testament
0: to. It. It's a testament, first of all, to to the great writing of yeah. John Hughes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because if you if you think about this movie from a writing point of view it's just a bare bones structure. All all you've got really plot wise is the idea that there's this twist where we discover that he's lost his wife before the movie ever started and that that he's kind of, and that he's homeless and he's wandering and um, that gives that gives the ultimate kind of payoff to Neil's arc of having to be charitable and opening up his heart in the spirit of the season. And so that gives him the reason to bring this guy home for Thanksgiving. And it brings, it gives a reason for John Candy and and Steve Martin to be together on screen at the end of the film, which is really important. Completely. But everything else is like these two guys get thrown together. They have an odd couple dynamic and the actual nuts and bolts of how the plot works could be just exchanged with any other set of nuts and bolts. You know, there could Mm -hmm. be other delays and other reasons, other modes of transport, different mishaps along the way. And so so from a plot point of view, all of that is pretty much interchangeable. And that's that's not a weakness at all. That's a strength, especially for a comedy, because a comedy, you need to be able to try different things. See what works, and put it all together in the edit um and I mean nowadays that's done to a real to a kind of an extreme in the 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 kind of a I'm always just saying using Judd Apatow's name as a as a shorthand obviously there's lots of other directors, lots of other people, but in that kind of that school of the the collective these people who all appear in each other's movies, and there's a set of directors and all of this that cross over um in that kind of Apatow school. They're, they've gone, I think, too far. Which is they rely too heavily on improv, not enough of uh, not enough ideas going into it. Because while I say that this movie is very fairly threadbare in terms of plot, it's full of ideas that had to be written beforehand. The, these were not. You don't improvise a car going on fire, and you know all of these special effects shots that were needed, and, and um, all of the uh, kind of you know mishaps that that come in. And there's like there were loads of comedically solid ideas on the page before they shot anything. And I think that is maybe lacking in today's, (laughs) uh, in the world of comedy movies. And that's why in general, as, as I was, as I was saying to you on our episode of, of Malkovich that like I, uh, the, the most, the films I laugh at most are kind of, comedy dramas or straight-up dramas that just have some humorous moments in them because I don't really find comedy comedies that funny most of the time. Some great exceptions, and even and the Apatow ones have some great exceptions, but um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of, that's my take on all that. <laughs> okay, no, I,
0: I definitely agree with yeah. you on that. Now, I love when when Dell says love is not big enough word, he points to, in the direction of the yeah, picture of Marie. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah, it's a nice touch. And then the two of them decide to, to give a little toast and they both say to the wives and then they, they, they drink up. Yeah. And at this point, Dell drinks the entire bottle. So yesterday we were talking about what he's drinking. He's drinking rum. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what he wants. And, and then he gives a big, wow. Right afterwards, which obviously reminds me of what movie. Wow. The greatest game. Oh,
1: okay. Sorry. The
0: the greatest game. (laughs) You know, you have the, the scene, where you have Hiltz, Henley, and Goff. They're, they're making the, the – in their distillery, mm-hmm. and the three of them all give off their big wow oh, yes. after taking a little yeah. drink. It's got a kick. So that this wow really, really, uh, you know, surprised me here, and it's great. Great. You know, and and then we see Neil. He takes, like, one of the bags of Doritos and just throws it on the floor, which is not something I would have expected from from. Yeah,
1: Neil is getting much more loosey-goosey. And Yeah. Well, again, he's he's, he's drunk, drunk so and he's <laughs> um he's decided to be to make the best of this situation and to stop being, you know, decided to get get that stick out of his butt. And um yeah, yeah, completely,
0: completely, and and then basically Neil then says, well, let me just close this conversation. By saying you are one unique individual, <laughs> and then Dell responds, What's unique? Is that Latin for <laughs> so I mean Dell slightly you know uh, slurs his words, yeah, and as Neil is saying this, he actually turns off the light in the process of this whole thing, yeah, you know and and Neil then doesn't even respond to what Dell said now, when you hear the word. So, what do you think what, where do you think
1: that word came from uh what is the
0: history of the term
1: <laughs> right well um i i'm sure i don't know i mean i i it's it's one of those that's so kind of it has an obvious origin to do with um with our uh bodily features so i yes. just think you know comparing somebody to a, an anus is pretty uh it's pretty straightforward and I would imagine that, that, that it arose independently in several languages I could be wrong you know it just seems like an obvious insult you know yeah exactly
0: okay well it was in English it was first used in 1500 where it it it's found in different sources where they they use the the, the term arsehole you're right okay yeah. Yeah. and the metaphorical use of the word where sometimes you might refer to it as the worst place in the world or something like that. That oh, was, oh yeah, that's actually found in a in literature in
1: 1865.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And the first time that it's being used to describe a contemptible person is in a book in uh, 1933.
1: So, so it's used as a as a a, a bad you know a, a, a crappy place before yes. it's used for people. That, is, that is so funny. I would have to- completely thought it was the opposite. That the, Yeah, um, me too. I completely the, agree yeah, with you. That you, you talking about Ace as like the <laughs> asshole of nowhere seems like such a, a, a more modern thing than calling somebody yeah. asshole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So,
0: I mean, it's obviously been used quite often. Since then,
1: <laughs> you know,
0: in the 70s, Hustler magazine would actually have a feature, which they called the <laughs> of the month. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> in 1972, uh there's a song by uh, Jonathan Richmond. The the song is called Pablo Picasso, which includes a line that says Pablo Picasso. Never, got never called it
1: Picasso. Yeah. I, I know it well.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was considered up until the 90s, one of the words that you could not say on commercial television in, in the U.S. Yeah. And uh comedian Andrew Dice Clay caused a major shock when he used the word in a live tele- televised MTV show award in 1989. Wow,
1: scandalous. So yes. what's your level? Will you be will you be uh, beeping or honking out the word hole yes, in this Yes, uh, I will. Episode? Yes, right. I will. Everyone okay.
0: will be trying to figure out what we're saying what we're saying <laughs> when we keep saying the something yes. whole.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, basically. But uh, in by 19 by 1994 it has become much more it became much more acceptable and the tv show uh, nypd blue would use yeah. it quite often right yeah. and then uh in syndication airings of south park they would use it with only partially bleeping it out <laughs> uh, so yeah the, the, that's just uh, you know a little fun thing to to check out as to uh,
1: yeah cuz uh, yeah. cuz south park did a whole thing about that they had they had cuz cuz after the next was the 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 S word for poo yes. was was the next kind of. Um, you can say shit, it'll be beeped. <laughs> yeah, but I, I yeah, I'm just giving you less less to beep, so uh, no, <laughs>
0: no need but, to edit yourself. I'll I'll edit, I'll edit you okay. for
1: okay. But uh, it, when South Park did a whole episode about that, they had like they had a counter in the corner for how many times they said it. But they also had this thing of like that the, the first time, it's going to be said on, on on this show tonight. And it was, they either just said it was called NYPD Blue or it was an obvious stand-in for NYPD Blue. It was, like I think they might have changed the name for Well, I know um, in, in one of so the episodes interesting. of ER, when one of the
0: main characters died, they got permission to use the word <gasps> when he was dying. That was his last word.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because I find, and kind of the reason that I'm, I'm, um sidestepping using the word is because I know you will um censor them. And I do I, I have to admit, I don't you know, no offences, your your podcast, you edit it the way you like. I, I do find it kind of irritating listening to um beeps uh and 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 uh, listening to, to censored uh, language. I mean I you know on a podcast a few of them come up and you know what they're saying anyway. It's not a it's not a big deal. But like I I stopped watching Key and Peel because I couldn't I, I had watched several seasons and I there was season four whatever it was I couldn't uh, find a version without beeps I just didn't watch it I just I cannot sit through that and it's like when it's a podcast it's a bit more conversational it's okay but when it's just something that's like finished and edited and and like um and scripted and they are the words that these people chose and they're they're you know acting instead of just having a conversation it's, it's like it, it kills me. I just, I just can't watch it. It's the same nowadays. I watch South Park. If I watch South Park, it'll be completely uncensored, and I can't, can't go back. You know? Right.
0: Okay, no, that, that's fair. Then, I
1: completely, I completely and, agree with you. Yeah. Again,
0: I, I, I edit things and beep things out because I want to keep. I want, I want to keep things open for a larger audience. Where, where yeah. if if kids want to listen to this at some point, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't want to be the one corrupting them you know <laughs> yeah uh, obviously they to be, obviously yeah. they're they'll, gonna hear they'll a beep. pick it up somewhere no but they're gonna but hear it, they're, the truth is they're gonna hear a beep and they're gonna go try and figure out what it is that was said anyway yeah so it doesn't matter but but i don't know i'd I like to keep it family friendly so i think that that's what it comes down on, to
1: oh no totally yeah yeah um uh, uh but on on the um on the other side when it's like when you were saying on er they asked for permission to use certain words whatever but they had like, to
0: ask for permission because they pay a fine you know, I mean, yeah. we, we just yeah. uh, as of recording, you know, the the Academy Awards was was uh, a little more than a week ago, and yeah. ABC definitely got fined for that.
1: of course, because uh, you know, because of
0: because keep, of what keep close... my wife's name out here. That's, That's right, exactly, yeah. and and yeah. also Chris Rock, you know, swearing oh, also.
1: Chris Rock did. Oh, was he? Okay. No, because yeah, yeah.
0: he, he, he said... Oh, oh, he, I,
1: oh yes, when he got... Once he got here. Right, yeah, exactly.
0: Amazing. Yeah. So, whatever, yeah. I, you know, just the way it is. No one, no. But no it, one's going to find me for it, so I'm good.
1: <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. But there's the other thing of, like, self-censorship when... I remember I was watching Breaking Bad, and I love Breaking Bad, but there was this... There was a point in it when Jesse ends up in hospital. I forget what even happened to him. And... He is, he has just had it with Walter. And Walter is coming in, trying to make it right and saying, Yeah, yeah, Jesse, we'll, we'll get back and we'll get back at them and we'll make up for them, blah, blah, blah. And, and like, Walter is not getting the message from Jesse that it's like, No, it's over. I'm done with you. I'm not dealing with you anymore. This was, this was meant to be, you know, a way to make money. And, and it's, you know, you've gone way too far with it. And he just, he's so sick of him. He just turns and, you know, great acting, these two great actors in these roles and he just says screw you Mr. White and it's it just t- curls my toes, it's like <laughs> there is no way he would not say "fuck you in that moment, what possible reason in that moment where at the end of his tether, would he have to self-censor and it just like that's one where I would have preferred a beep <laughs> because like screw you is so like, it's such a you know, it reminds me of all the all the movies that you watch growing up, like on an airplane, you watch the censored version of a movie or on network TV. And, uh, and of course here in Ireland, when we get the the UK TV stations, they would just dub it themselves with like, certainly English actors are over saying screw you or something (laughs) like that, you know, like, you know, forget you. And it's always these terrible phrases that aren't phrases, you know, like, like, um, the, the the classic from RoboCop is uh, this guy's one bad mother crusher. There you go, which <laughs> is a, a favorite of mine. <laughs> That's great,
0: right? So, I mean, basically, I I like the scene. I like the way that it's set up. I like the the fact that that we're we're getting to see the two of them bonding because you know we have less than twenty minutes left of this movie, and you know it gives them the opportunity to be much more bonded. Over the, this, this final yeah. part of, of the film, you know, so that, that, that's really good. So yeah. the, the discrepancies in the script are, there are some here because they have an extended conversation between the two of them that actually goes on for, uh, three and a half pages. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Mm. But uh, I'll I'll try to go through it quickly. So their conversation goes like this. Dell says, you know how few people give a shit about curtain rings? Who cares about lipstick ads? At least you deal with pretty girls. You know what shower rings are? You know what lipstick is? When I'm dead and buried, all I'll account for is a couple million shower curtains that haven't fallen down. That's some legacy, huh? My life's work is thrown away, burned and recycled. Yours will last longer than mine. And then Dell goes, what do you pull down a year? And then Neil responds, I do okay. You know what I claimed as income last year? Neil goes, that means nothing. Any second string player in the NFL makes more in a week than Van Gogh made in his lifetime. Dale goes, Van Gogh textiles up in Buffalo? He goes, no, the painter." <laughs> oh. Then Neil goes, money's no measurement of worth. True worth, worth to the human race. I have a lot of it and don't feel like I'm worth any more than when I was broke. In fact, I probably felt mm. better about myself when I was broke. So that that's interesting about Neil that he says that. And then yeah. Dell Del goes, I bang all around, all around this country doing less and less each year. I talk a blue streak, but when it comes right down to it, I'm running on fumes. That briefcase, I said I got it at, the, at, at a sales award. That was 12 years ago. So I've lost half my accounts to a computer catalog. Every year, half a dozen customers retire and the business goes with them. You ever read Death of a Salesman? Sure. Sometimes I find myself practically quoting Willie Loman, unconsciously quoting him. He was an older guy. You're young. So what? Youth makes diddly means diddly. If you don't have anything to look to look to but growing old. At the very least, all the absolute minimum, at the absolute minimum, you have a woman you love to grow old with. Dell doesn't reply. You love her, don't you? Your wife. Dell goes, "Love isn't a big enough word, buddy." So there you go. Start with that. You know how guys in this world have money and nobody to spend it on? Dell's silent again. "Hey, I'm sorry I popped you in the gut." I deserved it. No, you didn't. Sure, I did. If I didn't have one foot in my mouth and the other in, the, in, in a bucket of shit, I wouldn't recognize myself. Well, let me let me just close the conversation by saying you're one unique individual. Unique. That's Latin for L. and that's pretty much how the, that whole scene goes. So it mm. it's not needed. They cut it really well. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that
1: you know and, they do a and, great job with it. Yeah. Do you think it was shot? yeah i'm sure it was yeah yeah from what i understand it was also yeah it's very it's very wordy and i think it would feel out of place in this yeah. movie with like talking about willie loman and you know that like um but it's interesting it does play into themes and the picasso um, joke uh, and the not the picasso joke and the van gogh uh, the van gogh joke, the van gogh yeah. joke just was yeah. you know too much yeah or van gogh um yeah, yeah. and um but he, but he uh yeah, the the it it's interesting that you're saying about worth and um money and you know your contribution to humanity and stuff because that's like that that comes up time and again in John Hughes movies because like yes John Hughes I think was born uh, into money very comfortable at least and because all of the like the 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 world of a John Hughes movie is suburban houses that are just massive and of course we see at the end of this movie a very John Hughes looking movie not not a million miles away from the McAllister residence and um it's uh yeah it just he's kind of obsessed with um with money and privilege and um and yet in some of his movies seems kind of blind to it and just gives people these massive houses and just it's like, yeah, they just have infinite money, you know? And it's, <laughs> it just speaks to me of somebody, I don't know much about John Hughes's background, but it speaks to me of somebody who is, who is born into money and, and hence can't um, see their privilege a lot of the time, but, but wants to and wants right. to kind of, yeah, recognize that they, that they there's a hell of a lot of people who have it much worse off than they do. Right. That's true. All
0: right. Very good. Yeah. So every day we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track where either myself or my guest will give a little story about something that happened to us along the journey of life some adventure or misadventure something like that. So today we have another story from me. So once I remember I was I was visiting my parents uh, back in Detroit. It was uh, I must have been probably around uh, 22, 23 something like that and I I borrowed the uh, you know we ha- we always had a spare car so I borrowed the spare car and I, I went out with friends and I drove into, you know, to meet friends in an area which I usually don't go to. And, you know, we finished the movie on our on my way home. The car started sputtering probably closer to eight mile, you know, back when I mentioned before about oh, right. you know, the, yeah. an area that, that is is not necessarily the most friendly area. And it ended up, I stopped, the car stopped right in front of a gas station. And I didn't know what was wrong with the car. Oh, I, I still, to this day, am not a car person. I don't really, you know, I, I know how to change a tire. I know to, you know, check the check the oil. I know to, you know, do the the little things, but I can't really do big things on it. And I was just sitting there. I said, I'll wait a few sec. I'll wait a few minutes. See if maybe I just flooded the engine. You know, and obviously this was because it was a spare car. You know, the the fuel gauge didn't work properly anyway. So I wasn't oh, I wasn't yeah, sure yeah. specifically how much was left there. You know, did, was it was it that the car ran out of gas, whatever it was. And I was sitting there for a few minutes, and then a police car drove up. And you know, the police asked me what's going on, what's the story. And I said, well, the car just stopped here. And he says, well, this isn't the place you really want to be stopped in. Here, let's get out. We'll we'll put the car in neutral and we'll, we'll we'll pull into the gas station, and then you can try and figure out how to how to fill up. So we did that. I, try, I put put gas in the car. Nothing happened. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have to call AAA. But I said, all right, I'll wait a few more minutes. I waited like 10 minutes. And the car started. And that was it. <laughs> and I was right. able to get home. And I i didn't, I didn't mention it, huh? it to my parents. I didn't tell them where I was. I didn't say that the car almost got, you know, that because, you know, the policeman told me I couldn't, that if I need to, I can't leave the car there. You know, he's going to cut. He'll come back a few yeah, hours later just to yeah. make sure that the car is not there and that I took care of it or something like that. And mm. this is obviously
1: days before cell phones and stuff like that. So, yeah, that, that's mm. my little story. Good stuff. So did you – so um, um, was it you just had run out of uh, – From of what pass. I understand, I think I, I – no, the thing is I yeah. think that I flooded it because
0: it didn't okay. – I didn't need to fill up the tank completely. But I think oh, that's okay. what
1: it was. So what I was thinking then is like, if you, you know, you didn't mention anything to your parents, and I mean that could have been an interesting follow up of like, oh, there's something wrong with the car. If only we had, you know, we got you know, your parents get stranded out in the highway somewhere. If only we had known there was something wrong with the car, we could have got it checked. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> something similar
0: did happen to that and to me with that. And one of these days, I'll get around to telling you that story too.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, great. So do you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? Please visit MalkovichMinute.net. You'll find all of the necessary links there. All right. And to find me is very simple. (laughs) You can just do a quick search for a movie
0: on Minute, and you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, or go to my website. And once again, today you can listen to episode 74 of The Silverado Minute, where me and my good friend, Todd Liebenow from Forgotten Filmcast talk about Minute 74, The Silverado Minute. And a great Lawrence Kazan movie from 1985. Great Western. You know, the whole the whole thing is a group minute-by-minute project that was arranged by, and produced by Jim O'Kane. So thanks a lot, Jim. And go check that out. And until tomorrow, you're fucked. You're
1: fucked. F-